Welcome to Neighborly. Bloodlust. House number six, Little Street. There once was a princess locked up in a tower, wearing the keys of her cage around her neck. Every day she stared out the window at the deep drop from it, the treachery of daring to look. Sometimes she thought if she just stepped off it, she would fly away. Every day she held the key up to the door, wishing for freedom. But oh, the dragons, the dragons. Now, let's take a peek behind the cream curtains of darling little house number six, sitting proudly in its space on Little Street. It had baby blue walls and a neat, perfectly trimmed front garden that told you all you needed to know about Maria and Robert who lived there. Robert had lived at number six for as long as most people could remember, but the house really flourished after he married Maria a few years back after a string of bad relationships. He always said he was unlucky in love until he met Maria, and she always laughed in response, her careful eyes neatly cataloguing everyone's reaction to his statement. She worked tirelessly to keep number six spotless, tying up her curls with a scarf and ironing the curtains or polishing the doorknobs. Everything had to be perfect, because if everything was perfect, that would mean that she was here, that she belonged. She had come from a very different part of town, and being relatively new to Little Street, she wanted to be accepted and loved. So she waved at the neighbours, and held parties in her pretty perfect house, and when she baked cupcakes she invited the children in for tea. She loved living here, where everyone was nice, and she loved her husband, who was kind to her and bought her pearl earrings and gorgeous dresses that she never would have imagined owning before she married him. He would come into the room she had converted into an art studio and surprise her with tickets to the next vacation, or simply sit and watch as she worked. She was a full-time artist now. She didn't have to steal away moments from the real world to do what made her happy. It was a dream. She was happy. And yet, she didn't quite feel like she belonged. Maybe it was because Little Street always felt a slight bit off, not quite home. The house was hers, but Little Street always remained Robert's. Or maybe it was the little key in her drawer that taunted her. That key unlocked the basement, which Robert had converted into a little leisure room before they were married. He rarely went into that room, and insisted that she kept the only key with her, but he had asked her not to enter it when he was not around. He said he needed his own space where he could truly be himself, waving his cream hands in her direction before puttering away into his basement. She didn't care what he did down there. She didn't. What bothered her was that he never seemed to clean it. On the weekends, when he helped her in the garden, she often asked him, Do you want me to tidy the basement? 
and the reply came always in his smooth voice without fail. Oh, don't bother, sweetheart. I'll give it a going over later. And yet, he never did. She knew because she had the only key to the room, and he didn't ask her for it. He never took anything into that room, or brought anything out of it. It drove her nuts, thinking about all the dirt and rubbish piling up in that room. What if it had pests? What if the neighborhood knew she had a filthy room in her house? She bet Dorothy from number one didn't have a rubbish-collecting basement. She could picture it now. The reason Dorothy refused her invitations to come over was because she didn't want to step foot in a dirty house, considering how well she took care of her own. She asked and asked, and always the same response. Don't worry, my love, I'll do it later. 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 And all the while, dust and rubbish were accumulating in the basement. Had the walls ever been repainted? The furniture dusted? Every rejection from Dorothy was proof. She had met most other neighbours, and they all liked her. But Dorothy, who was spick and span and head of the homeowners association, knew about the basement. That could be the only explanation. That basement was ruining everything. If only she could clean it. It would only take a little time. She'd clean the basement, and then everything would be all right. Everyone would love her, and she'd finally get to belong. That basement was the only thing standing in her way, and Maria knew, better than anyone, that if you wanted something, you couldn't sit lying and wait, you had to grab it with your hands and work your magic. All it would take was a convenient business trip. Robert often took those, flying away for days at a time, leaving her with her house and her keys in his neighbourhood. She'd only need a day to sit the basement in order. It would take a month of Sundays before Robert left and finally, finally, she could gather her things and go down to the basement. He was oblivious to the constant current under her skin. But poor Robert was a particularly unobservant man. Lies and deception did not a happy marriage make. She knew this. Boundaries were important. She'd seen enough of her mother's deteriorating marriage to know it wasn't what she wanted. But this was a good deed. She was just helping her husband out. In a toss between a happy marriage and being accepted by everyone around her, she would have to choose the latter. She couldn't live like this, knowing that all her neighbours were talking about her basement. Guilt was a heavy chain around her throat, but you wouldn't be swayed. Some things were too important. There once was a princess in a tower wearing the keys of her cage around her neck. Every day she stared out of the window at the deep drop from it, the treachery of daring to look. The dragon always left the doors unlocked, but day after day she remained in that tower with her dragon. Why didn't she leave, you ask? Well, why would you run from someone you love? Maria walked downstairs silently, armed with gloves, her supplies, and a key, with a one-track mind focus on her goal. Ignoring the letter that slid through the postbox, the dust motes that seemed to pause in anticipation, and even an entire door that, with a clearer mind, she would have sworn had not been there before. Down the stairs, and there it stood. The unyielding basement door. It was cold to touch, made of metal rather than wood, and beautifully engraved with trees. It took 
just one breathless moment to slip the key in and turn it in the lock, before the heavy door swung inwards, slamming into the wall behind it, the key still in her gloved hands. She pocketed it, taking a single step inside to reach for the lights. Do or die time. Christ! The first thing that hit her was the smell. Chemical and processed, the light was fluorescent and cold, flickering on once, twice before it steadied, giving everything in the room a brackish steel glow. The walls were tiled and grimy, as was the floor, but the worst part was on a steel desk in the middle of the room. Soaking in a large glass basin of liquid sat an innocuous-looking arm. Maria walked into the room, opening the door of the refrigerator against the wall, revealing more bodies. Cut up and organized. All the heads in a row, feet in plastic bags, neatly labeled, fingers in a jar. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. She walked out, switching the light off and locking the door behind her. Okay. <laughs> so her husband was collecting bodies in the basement. <laughs> okay. All right. She would... Uh, she would... She would lie down for a bit. <laughs> okay. Uh, um... Uh, a, a list. She needed a list. Things to do. Should she ask him about it? No. No. That was stupid, and a surefire way of ending up dead. Had she disturbed anything in the basement? No. No. There was no way he would find out. Did she know any of the women? No. 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 What should she do next? What should she do next? The basement was still... filthy. <laughs> she didn't know. She would figure it all out tomorrow. Everything would still be there tomorrow. The next day, the bodies were still in the basement. Maria went down to check. Six women, pale due to the loss of blood and the cool temperature they were stored at, with long, neat hair and closed eyes. They could almost be dolls, waiting for an artist to fall in love with them so they could be wished alive again. Their skin was cold to touch as they rested on their delicate necks. Their lips were rough. She could imagine their eyelids fluttering under her gaze. What had you been like? She asked the women who in another life she could have fallen in love with. The women, of course, did not respond, because they were still... dead. <laughs> she had to make a plan, decide on a course of action. In the end, it all came down to the single most important question in any marriage. Did she trust her husband? She thought of all the little gifts he gave her, and his inoffensive smiles. How he sometimes cooked her pasta for dinner, all the while fermenting bodies in her basement, and she had her answer. Not for a moment. Not when he was draping her neck with jewels like a noose, tokens of his indulgence for playing her role perfectly. Robert was first and foremost a ticket to a different life. And now that he had outlived his usefulness, she would have to figure out what to do with him. 
He was just another item to be checked off the list. All she needed was a plan and... Off went the doorbell, startling her as she sat at the kitchen table. This was all wrong. He wasn't due for another two days. Oh God, did he know? Was this all about to go horribly, horribly wrong? Was it Dorothy come to tell her that she had no place in this neighborhood as long as she had skeletons in her dirty closet? No, she had to be calm. She was ruined. She was going to die. Her grip was steel as she opened the door, willing her face not to betray her, and at the door stood a familiar face. Short, dark hair, neatly cropped, wide eyes and full lips, a square jaw, clear brown skin. Where had she seen this person before? Maria couldn't stop the gasp from leaving her lips as her guest's guarded expression turned resolved. So, you know, the person said, their deep voice barely concealing the underlying fury rolling through it. It was a ghost come to haunt her, wearing the face of one of the women from the basement. You should probably come in, she replied, if I don't want to make a scene. The person introduced themselves as C before immediately diving to the heart of the matter. Is she dead? My sister. Yes, Maria confirmed. Would you like a cup of tea? Did you do it or him? I didn't know, I swear, she said, grabbing C's hand, willing them to believe her. Everything was happening so quickly, she couldn't make sense of it all. C's eyes bored into her soul as if weighing its essence, judging it, judging her. She be worthy? She wanted to flinch from this conversation, because saying it out loud made it feel more real, but she felt like C, who wielded truth like a key, would see through her efforts to hide from it. I only found out a day ago. The bodies are in the basement. He asked me never to go down there. And you obeyed? C said, like the idea of it was ridiculous. Because wasn't it? In the grand game that was her marriage, she had been willfully ignorant. Maria fancied herself a tactician, using her husband to get the life she wanted, trading away what was needed for her dreams, for an escape, but he used her just the same. He expected her to play her part, dance in the role given to her, and she had complied. They had both puppeteered each other in this facade of a marriage. He asked. He was my husband, and I loved him. See so raised an eyebrow. I loved what he could provide me with. I didn't expect a love or a grand fairy tale romance. All I ever wanted was an escape. The tears rolled down her cheeks, and for once they weren't a weapon. Somehow, in this space, she could breathe without running the math on it first. Just how much of her life had gone like this? In these schemes. And right here in the middle, he had betrayed her. Refused to play his part the way she did. He had ruined everything she had worked to get. After all this running still, she was in a house she hated, with people who would kill her if they could. Hey, it's not your fault, she whispered. He's the one with blood on his hands. He was. And he had to pay. For the other women, of course, but more importantly for her. They were already dead. She was the one who had to live with this. She looked uncomfortable, but pushed on. I only ran into him a month 
back before remembering that he broke up with Gracie a year before she went missing. I was hoping to collect... Let's kill him, Maria decided. What? <laughs> C sputtered. You can't just go deciding to kill people. That's not right. We should try to get justice. I was the only one who even remembered I had a sister once he was done with her. You won't get justice, I mean. Besides, I like my life here. I like this neighborhood and all the things I have, and even Dorothy, who refuses my invitations for a family dinner. <laughs> if this comes out, I'll be ruined. I can't have that, and I won't. Killing him is the easier thing to do. And once a decision like that is taken, said aloud, the words occupying space, it's awfully hard to undo it. Everyone's always listening. There once was a witch in the tower with those dragons that ensnared her. But hadn't she ensnared them as well? When you love someone enough to let them cage you, aren't you tying them to you as well? The dragon was also in the tower with her. So, Robert came home, and Maria kissed him at the door and served him soup for dinner, just like she always did when he got home. He had a weak stomach and didn't like rich food after traveling. Then, once he was done eating, she sat at the table and looked at her husband. I like the soup, he offered, as if that could do anything to fix any of this. As if he could bandage up the intricate webs left torn apart. It's poisoned. I went to the basement, Maria started. No, don't interrupt. I went to the basement, and I saw everything, and I know everything now. You'll be dead in an hour, and your body will join the others. He gave her a sheepish smile. Well, he said, it was good while it lasted. Do you hate me? A little bit. I think I always did. I was more in love with all of this than you, she said, waving a hand a gesture around her house, the life they had built together. A part of me always knew, he admitted. I took a witch and made her my bride, but you always remained a witch, didn't you? I had fun playing this game with you. I thought you'd open the basement years ago, and then I'd have to kill you, but you played the part of the bride to perfection. My wife. Do you want to know why I did it? Does it matter? Maria asked. The women are still dead. She was tired now. She wanted to ask herself questions like, why did I buy into this for so long? And how can I not see the trap I was sitting in? But Robert was right. She was desperate to be the bride, so played that to perfection. And now that that role no longer fit, now that she could see the truth, she could discard it and move on. The truth is awfully rude that way. You can never unsee it. Robert nodded and stood up, wincing slightly at the effort that it took. You can't outwit a witch in her home. With every day that she spent caring for her house, it responded to her, too. Robert feeding the house only brought it to life. But Maria was the one it loved. All right, then. <laughs> I'll head on down to the basement. The house will want its due. It'll eat me up like the others, but this was always your house, wasn't it? Well played, wife. <laughs> Good night, darling, she replied, exactly how she did every night as he made his way down the stairs.
The next day, she woke up. And as she watered the plants in her garden, somebody, a neighbour maybe, out on a walk, stopped for a little chat. I worry about you sometimes, I said, all alone in that house for so many years. You must get lonely. Oh, not really, she replied, waving down the street as she spotted C walking towards her. We manage. There once was a witch in a tower, wearing the keys of her home around her neck. They said she had dragons once, but she cooked them into a stew and ate them. Their dying roars still echoed in the corridor of the tower, but always the hidden cackles of the witch and her bride overshadowed them. Neighborly is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Chairlike 4.0 International License. Today's house was written by A. Gabrielle and edited by Matthew O.K. Smith, with music by Alex Schwartz and art by Cloudy Appleart. The narrator is voiced by Matthew O.K. Smith. To find out more, visit neighbourlypod.card.co or follow us on social media at neighbourlypod. If you enjoyed listening today, information on how you can support us will be included in the episode description. Most of all, we would appreciate it if you told a friend. Because they might tell a friend. And they might tell a friend. And who knows? Eventually, God might finally listen to us. Today's email comes from the local library. It appears you have checked out more than 100 books on the noble European Pine Martin, despite not having a library card, and they are now overdue in collecting a concerning amount of exponential fines. I would pay those if I were you. And if you need to go on an epic quest to find them all and return them, so be it. Thanks for listening. Come back soon. Hello, Matty here. Before you'd go, I'd like to, real quick, tell you about a cool podcast I've been listening to called Hello from the Hallow Woods. If you like Neighborly, you'll love Hallow Woods. It is an anthology horror podcast which tells three short stories per episode, all narrated by the omnipresent Nicky Nick. It's a nice and creepy show, with writing that you could drown in, and might if I push you. If you like stories in the vein of Welcome to Night Vale, The Twilight Zone, and, like I said, Neighborly, you'll love this show. For queer characters, an interesting narration style with in-universe interruptions, as well as delicious descriptive and narrative writing, check out Hello from the Hallow Woods wherever you get podcasts, or at their website, hellofromthehallowwoods.com. I promise you won't regret it. You won't. I promise. You trust me, right? Good. Listen to Hello from the Hallow Woods.